thank you, Lord. Amen. Habakkuk prayer, chapter 3, verses 1 through 19. This prayer was sung by the prophet Habakkuk. I have heard all about you, Lord. I'm filled with awe by your amazing works. In this time of our deep need, help us again as you did in years gone by. And in your anger, remember your mercy. I see God moving across the desert from Edom, the Holy One coming from Mount Paran. His brilliant splendor fills the heavens, and the earth is filled with his praise. His coming is the brilliant as the sun, sunrise. Rays of lights flash from his hands, where his awesome power is hidden. Pestilence marches from before him. Plague follows close behind. When he stops, the earth shakes. When he looks, the nations tremble. He shatters the everlasting mountains and levels the eternal, eternal hills. He is the eternal one. I see the people of Cushion in distress and the nation of Midian trembling in terror. Was it in anger, Lord, that you struck the rivers and parted the sea? Were you displeased with them? No, you were sending your chariots of salvation. You brandished your bow and your quiver of arrows. You split open the, you split open the earth with flowing rivers. The mountains watched and trembled. Onwards, onwards swept the raging waters. The mighty deep cried out, lifting its hands in submission. The sun and the moon stood still in the sky as your brilliant arrows flew and your glittering spear flashed. You marched across the land in anger and tramped tramp the nations in your fury. You went out to rescue your chosen people, to save your anointed ones. You crushed the heads of the weak and stripped their bones from head to toe with his own weapons. You destroyed the chief of those, of those who rushed out like a whirlwind, thinking Israel would be easy prey. You tramped the sea with your horses and the mighty war waters piled high. I tremble inside when I heard this. My lips quivered with fear. My legs gave way beneath me and shook in terror. I will wait quietly for the coming day when disaster will strike the people who invade us. Even though the fig trees have no blossoms and there are no grapes on the, on the vines, even though the olive crop fails and the fields lie empty and barren, even though the flocks die in the fields and the cattle barns are empty, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in the God, in the God of my salvation, the sovereign God, the sovereign Lord in my strength. He makes me as sh sure-footed as a deer, able to thread up on the heights. Amen. There's a young woman, corporate businesswoman, who had uh, lost her job due to downsizing in her company. 
And so she decided that it was a good time to make a life change. So she decided to leave the city and go out to the country. And when she moved out there, she needed to find a job. So she went to a local farmer who was looking for a lemon picker. And she went to this farmer and she laid out her resume and, and everything. And this farmer said, you know, you're a little overqualified to be doing this job. And she said, no, 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 please. I, I want to do this. I'm, I'm making a change in my life. And he said, you know what? He said, have you ever even picked lemons before? And she looked him in the eye and she said, absolutely. She goes, I've been divorced three times. That's an example of what the world tells us when the gives you life gives you lemons, make lemonade. It's a phrase that's meant to encourage optimism and a positive attitude despite the challenges that we face. See, Habakkuk was actually saying something similar to this over 2,600 years ago. Though the fig trees have no blossoms, and there are no grapes on the vine. Yet, I will praise the Lord. He was making lemonade out of the lemons that he saw around him. We've been studying Habakkuk because there are times in our lives when the chaos and confusion around us causes us to question what we know about God. And so we've been looking to Habakkuk for what we do when we don't know what to do with our doubts. The first thing we need to understand is that God welcomes our questions. He welcomes his children into his presence, and he listens to us. David, the man after God's own heart, understood this very well. He said, morning, noon, and night, I cry out in my distress, and the Lord hears my voice. In Psalm 116, he said, I love the Lord because he hears my voice in my prayers for mercy because he bends down to listen. I will pray as long as I have breath. Scripture is clear that the Lord is attentive to the prayers of his children. Scripture is also clear that God speaks to his children. We witness God speak to Abraham and Noah and Moses, and Joshua, just to name a few. To the prophet Jeremiah, he said this, Call to me, and I will answer you, and tell you great and unsearchable things of things to come. Wow. But like Habakkuk, we must learn to stop and listen. If we want to hear him, we got to stop, catch our breath, and wait for him and listen. Sometimes we're going to hear things that we don't like. God's not always going to tell us what we want to hear. And like Habakkuk, he heard some things that he did not like. Habakkuk, I know the Israelites are, are being evil people right now. 
I'm going to take these Babylonians over here, the really, 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 really evil people. They're going to come in and judge you evil people, you lesser evil people. That's not really a message we want to hear. Habakkuk didn't think it sounded fair at all. Today we hear a similar sentiment in the phrase, why do bad things happen to good people? We hear it all the time. If there was a God, why do bad things happen to good people? And God says to Habakkuk, you can't understand it, so don't try. I'm going to do things that you will never understand, but they are bigger and they are better than you can imagine. Just wait and see. And so in chapter 2, we see Habakkuk wait. And while he waited, he listened. And he wrote down everything that the Lord told him. Because at some point, our waiting is over. And as we look back, we'll see that what God told us actually came to pass. And then we have a record of God's faithfulness in our lives. And when we can remember what God has done, we're going to want to praise him. And that's exactly what Habakkuk does in chapter 3. I've heard all about you, Lord. I am filled with awe for your amazing works. In this time of our deep need, help us again as you did in years gone by. And in your anger, Lord, remember your mercy. Habakkuk is basically saying, God, I remember, I've heard about your miracles. I've heard about your power. I've heard about your glory. I remember them, Lord. But I don't see them. Lord, please remember your mercy. There are times in our lives when we may not think that we see God at work. There are moments in our chaos when we can't see evidence of his presence. And in those moments, we need to remember what God has already done. That's what Habakkuk does. In verses 3 through 15, Habakkuk describes the work of God in rescuing, saving, and redeeming the people of Israel. Specifically, he speaks of the rescue from Egypt. In verse 5, pestilence marches before him, plague follows close behind. In verses 12 through 13, you marched across the land in anger and trampled the nations in your fury. You went to rescue your chosen people. Through all of these, Habakkuk is saying, I remember God. I remember when you parted the waters and we walked through. I remember when you guided your people by fire and cloud. I remember when you fed us with bread from heaven. I remember what you are capable of, Lord. When we find ourselves in chaos and confusion in this world, we need to remember what God has done. We need to go back to who we know God to be. As a church, we can remember what God has done. There was a time several years ago when the church leaders didn't know how they were going to meet their monthly budget. 
So they prayed. And in a few days, someone showed up at the door with no connection to the church, just saying that they wanted to donate money. In 2014, when we needed a new place to meet, God provided a movie theater. When the movie theater was sold, God provided another place. And when that place was removed from us, God provide us, provided us with another. And when that place was removed from us, he provided the place that you're sitting in tonight. And those are just the highlights. The Lord has done much for this body of believers. We can remember who he is and what he's done. What do you need to remember about God's work in your life? It doesn't need to be big and dramatic. God is in the small stuff as well as the big stuff. Maybe one time when you didn't know what to do, but you came to church and the message was just what you needed to hear. Or that one time you were reading the Bible and then there was that one verse that just jumped off the page and spoke to you. That's what God did for you. One time you might have been feeling down and you turned on the radio and it was the song you just needed in that moment. That was God speaking to you. Or the one time that you were hurting and someone came along and prayed for you. And you knew that the Lord had to have sent that person just for you. We have to remember what God has done in the past. It reminds us of who he is. It reminds us that his ways are always higher and better than ours. And when we remember what the Lord has done, we remember his power. We remember his sovereignty and his majesty and his faithfulness to always walk with us, never forsaking us. Remembering all these things about God brought Habakkuk to a place of humility and a place of acceptance. He said, I trembled inside when I heard this. My lips quivered with fear. My legs gave way beneath me, and I shook in terror. Do we have that kind of awe when we pray, when we think of what God has done in our lives? Do we tremble inside? Do we have that kind of awe for God? Because that's what brings Habakkuk to a place of worship. He knows that he can trust God with his future. And when Habakkuk worships, we get some of the richest text in Scripture. Starting in verse 17. Even though the fig trees have no blossoms, and there are no grapes on the vines, even though the olive crop fails, and the fields lie empty and barren, even though the flocks die in the fields, and the cattle barns are empty, yet, yet, I will rejoice in the Lord. In his prayer of praise, Habakkuk first goes through desolation. Fig trees and vines were a symbol of prosperity for Israel. 
The olive tree was a symbol of abundant supply. And Habakkuk uses these symbols as a sign of deep affliction and absolute devastation. To help us understand the depth of that desolation, if we were to put this text in more modern words, it would sound something like this. Even though the economy collapses and we enter another Great Depression, even though our savings and retirement accounts are wiped out, even though the government has gone bankrupt and can no longer offer us assistance, even though there is no food, there are no jobs, and no indication that things will ever get better, even though we have lost our homes, even though we are living in the woods eating roots and berries and sleep on the ground, yet we will rejoice in the Lord and be joyful in the God of our salvation. If you lost everything in this moment, would you still praise him? Habakkuk recognizes that the key to his joy and his peace is found in worshiping the Lord. See, in worship, we're reminded of God's greatness compared to our smallness. We're reminded of his power and our weakness. We're reminded of his glory and majesty and our lowliness. His perfection, our unworthiness. See, worship brings us into the presence of the Almighty, the eternal God, putting our estimation of ourselves in our circumstances in their proper place. Even if we don't see God's hand of blessing right now, we should be praising him for all he's done in the past. The psalmist wrote in Psalm 68, Praise the Lord, praise God our Savior, for each day he carries us in our arms. You woke up today. That's a gift. Praise God for it. I think most of you in this room, you opened your eyes and you could see. You opened your mouth and you could make sound, you could talk. Praise God for what he has done. Paul wrote to the Thessalonians and he said, Be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. In this world, we have no trouble applauding humans for great things and for good things, maybe even mediocre things. I think it was just last week, We had the Oscars, and what did we do? We just celebrated people and their accomplishments. How much more? How much more does our Lord deserve our praise and our applause? But though he deserves our praise, he doesn't need it. We need to praise him. We need to praise our God because it changes us. In our praise and worship of God, everything else 
gets put in its right place. And our trust in him and our faith in him only gets stronger. When calamity comes, when prosperity ceases, the people that don't have God, they have no joy. But the children of God, the ones called saved and righteous, they have joy. They will still rejoice because their joy is found in Jesus. And in Jesus, there's hope. When we praise God in our adversity, we're set free. We're released from worry. We're released from care and stress. Because in our praise, our eyes shift from looking at our circumstances and looking at our problems to looking at Jesus. God always has a better plan. God always has something planned that we couldn't even imagine. I started this message with the saying, when life gives you lemons, make lemonade. But you know what? There's another version of that saying. It says, when life gives you lemons, make orange juice and leave people wondering how you did it. You know what? God wants to take your lemons And not give you lemonade. He wants to make you orange juice. He wants to amaze you. What, pastor? You cannot get orange juice from lemons. It's impossible. Yet Jesus tells us, with God, everything is possible. See, in our challenges and in our chaos and confusion, we see few solutions. But God sees solutions that are completely beyond our understanding. God will take the challenges we face and he will do something so far outside our thinking that we cannot help but be stunned and inspired. And that's when our faith grows. But we have to trust him. To give you a a little illustration of something that happened to me this week. You know, last Sunday, we did our loads of love. And then we did the sandwich making after that. With the idea that we would go out and hand out the sandwiches. Now, after we made the sandwiches, Jay and I had gone. We took two big bags of sandwiches. And we thought, for sure, we were going to find someone to give the sandwiches to. And so we went to four different locations of places we had gone before to give out the sandwiches, and there was nobody there, nobody there at all. We said, well, okay, we'll put them in the refrigerator. Maybe God has another plan. So we went home, and then Monday rolled around, and we went out, and I went to my usual places again. Nobody was there. Nobody was there, and I thought, all right, I guess. So then Monday evening actually rolled around, And um, I was picking up my daughter at work. And I had a a person that I I know relatively well that, you know, I I help every now and then. And and she happened to be out there, and I was so excited. So I went up, and I turned back around, you turn, and and I handed her one of the bags that I had because I know she always shares it with the others. And I was so excited. I was so excited. And 
said, all right, just one more bag to go. Now it's Wednesday. And I thought, okay, I gotta, you know, can't keep toting this bag around. You know, the sandwiches are going to go bad. I've got, I, there's somebody. And I remembered another place that I could visit. Uh, someone that's always there. I always uh, see him there. And so Wednesday rolls around, and I, I go there, and he's not there. Oh, Lord, someone must need the sandwiches in this bag. And so I started to head back home. And I said, Lord, I don't want to take this bag of sandwiches back into my house again. There's somebody that needs this food. Please, just show me anybody who needs this food. And I just kept praying and praying. And as I started to head back home, I was about to, I was turning right on this particular road. And I saw someone on a corner in a wheelchair. And he was holding up a sign. I said, thank you, Lord. That's the one. And so I took my turn, and I started to go down. I, was, I had to U-turn to get to him. And so I did my U-turn. I got in the left turn lane because that's where he was on that road. So I was all excited, like, oh, yes, I'm going to hand this bag of sandwiches. I'm doing God's work. Oh, this is wonderful. You know, really patting myself on the back at this point. And so I get up a couple of cars back. And this gentleman in the wheelchair decides he's not going to come down the turn lane. So he actually goes all the way across, three lanes over, and starts to roll down the straight, the straight paths of the cars going straight. And I said, oh, Lord, I thought this was the one. And I can hear him say, turn around, turn around. Okay, Lord, I'll turn around. So I take the U-turn and then another U-turn to get back in that left turn lane again. And I'm heading back up, and there's a man. He's right there, just two cars ahead of me. And I'm about to roll down my window to call my attention out to him. And he doesn't look up, and he goes back, and he goes down the straight lane again. I said, Lord, Lord, I thought this was the one. What, what happened? And I could almost hear him saying, just wait. Just wait. I said, all right, I'll wait. I guess I'm going to be turning around again. <laughs> and so I'm sitting there and I'm waiting. It's a red light for the left turn arrow. And next to me is a pickup truck. And so I could see the gentleman rolling by the pickup truck. And as he starts to get to the end of the pickup truck, the driver of this pickup truck starts honking his horn to call the man in the wheelchair back. And so wheelchair man comes up and he leans out his passenger side and hands him a few dollars. And at this point, I've rolled my window down on the passenger side thinking there's going to be some way I can get this man's attention so I can get him this bag of food. And sure enough, he starts to roll right down the other aisle. But at this point, the man in the truck looks over at me. He sees that I rolled down my window and he looks over, and he kind of waves. I said, hi. I said, I have a bag of food for that man, but I can't get his attention. And he looks at the light, sees it's still red. He jumps out of his pickup truck, runs to my car. I hand him the bag of food. And he takes it, and he chases down the man in the wheelchair. And he says, excuse me, sir, this lady over here has a bag of food for you. And he runs it to him. 
hands him the whole bag of sandwiches, comes back, looks at me and says, you have a great day. And I said, you too. He hops his cart, turns green, and we go. And I sat there, I drove the rest of the way home, and I cried. Because I said, Lord, this wasn't about me. This wasn't about the sandwiches. You had a better plan than I could have even imagined. Who would have thought that he would have orchestrated the timing and all of that in that moment? Only him. Only him. See, God's always working to increase our faith. He's always trying to take us to higher places of trust with him. Always. The very last statement that Habakkuk leaves us with. The sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes me as sure-footed as a deer, able to tread upon the heights. That's great faith. But we only have that kind of faith when we go through chapter 1, like Habakkuk, bringing our questions and our doubts before God. And then that's when we stop and listen to what he has for us. And then sometimes we have to wait at a red light and go around and around until he says, now watch what I'm going to do. And finally, as we follow Habakkuk's example, we praise God. We worship him, remembering all that he has done. I'm going to have the ushers hand out some cards for you. These cards are to help you remember what God has done for you. So that as you find yourself in difficult circumstances, you'll keep looking up to him, praising him for who he is, remembering all that he has done for you. And every one of you in here can point to at least five things that God has done for you. How do I know that? Because you're here. God does not leave us where we are at. He does not leave us sitting in difficult places. His plan is to draw us to higher places in trusting and having faith in him, ever closer to him. We need to embrace the Lord. Let him have the lemons in your life so he can make orange juice. I can hear it now. Everyone's going to go home and say, I don't know what the past, lemons and orange juice. Uh, She's off her rocker. I don't know what she's talking about. God wants to do something in your life to draw you closer to himself. But we're holding on to those lemons. Sometimes it just feels good to say, I like the lemons. I want to be sour today. I don't want to be in a good mood today. Right? I know. I, some of you say no, but I don't believe you. <laughs> Let God take you to higher places. Trust him. He wants you to draw closer to him. I'll leave you with this from Paul in Ephesians chapter 3. 
May you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it's too great to understand fully. Then you'll be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. All glory to God, who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Glory to him in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations, forever and ever. Praise him. Keep your eyes on him. Praising him keeps your eyes fixed on him and not the confusion and the challenges around you. That's what Habakkuk did. That's what we need to do. Some of you are in challenges today. Some of you are waiting and waiting and waiting. Praise him. Praise him. And lean on someone in here. We'll help you hold your arms up in praise to him. Because we all have challenges. That's how we lean on one another. That's our bond. That's what we do as a family. As we close out our service, we're going to have... A prayer time, prayer call. As the music begins, if you want to pray by yourself, come up to the uh, pew here. If you want someone to pray with you, come up to the prayer bench here, okay? There's someone that will pray with you because you are not meant to do this journey alone. The challenges will grow you, but you're not meant to do them on your own. We are a family. We are meant to do life together. I'm going to ask for the music to start.